Hello and welcome to the BVC Podcast. Here at Brownsburg Vineyard Church, we want you to know that we are a group of ordinary people that serve an extraordinary God. Our mission is to honor God and advance His kingdom by building disciples who will give their lives to changing the world. Whether you are local or joining us from a distance, we want to thank you for being a part of our family. To learn more about us, you can visit thebvchurch.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's message. So this was the thought that I had, was it would be cool if we could kind of commandeer the the Hubble telescope um, and somehow manage to engineer the Hubble telescope to take a picture of every single church, every single church gathering, every single place this morning, if you take the time differences and the time zones out of it, If you were to take a picture of every single Christian church gathering that is happening at this moment, if you take a picture of every church gathering in all of the different languages like we heard this morning, if you took a picture of all of the Christian churches meeting in every different culture, Churches in complete different socioeconomical status. Churches meeting in in grand cathedrals and church meetings in small grass huts. Churches meeting and celebrating with different styles and different ways of doing it. And one of the things that you would see in this collage of pictures is that every one of us would be singing songs to God, singing songs about God. And despite all of the differences that you might notice in these pictures, differences in the people and in the styles and the locations and in the language, despite all of the differences and the differences in the expressions, worship, the act of worship, the act of singing songs to God would be one of the most common and compelling threads that bind us together as a universal church. And I've had the, the honor, and I, I honestly didn't know that Sandy had arranged for Jade to sing that song this morning like that. But I've had the honor of doing missions work in Peru, and Chile, and Panama, and Mexico, and Africa, and Ukraine. And I have the honor of standing in rooms just like this, or rooms that look a lot different, and listening to believers sing their worship to God. And even though in many of those moments I had no idea what the words that they were singing, I had no idea the language that they were saying or anything about the language or what the songs were about, I had no idea. But at the same time, I had no doubt that worship was happening. I had no doubt that these people are Christians. I had no doubt that the same God that I worship is the same God that they are worshiping. And in that way, worship is very unique to us as a church. What we do when we stand together and we turn the lights out and we sing, that's not something you find anywhere else. Now, don't tell Gwen this because she is still in a state of denial, but a couple weeks ago, 
I bought a motorcycle. And, uh, yeah. And so, um, so anyhow, I was thinking, maybe I could, like, ride my motorcycle to the local outlaw biker gang, you know, house where they hang out, to their clubhouse. And maybe I could, like, knock on the door and ask if I could join and let them know that I just bought a Kawasaki. The bike is a really cool color. It's like this brownish-red color. Super cool color. The problem is somebody decided to name the color Root Beer. So I can just imagine me saying, Hey, guys, I just bought a Root Beer-colored Kawasaki. Can I join your group? Now just play along with me, and let's just say they let me in the front door. And I'm sitting around at the first official gathering of this outlaw biker gang, and they hand out the agenda, because I'm sure that's what they do. And on the agenda, here's the list of crimes we're going to commit, and here's the carburetors that we got to clean. And I raise my hand, and I say, hey, gents, you know, thank you for inviting me to this little story here. Um, you guys look like a group of open-minded, collaborative type of people. Can I make a suggestion for our next meeting? Next time we gather together, how about we lower the lights? I could invite, you know, one of our keyboardists to come. And we could just sing songs to God. Just like raise our hands and you know, maybe even lay hands on one another. I would suspect that I would probably not make it to the door. And if I did make it to the door, I would be projected outside the door. And as humorous as that scene is, it's not that much of a stretch because you guys live there. Each and every one of you goes to an HOA meeting. You go to a parent-teacher meeting. How many of you go to a staff meeting on a weekly basis or to a sales meeting? Or you go to meetings for your, your kids' events or girls, Girl Scouts or Boy Scouts? We, we go to all of these meetings, right? But in no other meeting do we ever say, hey, you know what? We're going to dedicate 40% of our time to singing, singing songs to God. It's a very, very unique expression that we have. And I think we know and we understand how unique that is. But I'm not sure if we always understand the importance of what we're doing when we sing songs to God. I'm not sure if we always understand the purpose. Why are we doing this? Not only why is it important, but what's being accomplished here? And maybe, most importantly, I'm not sure if we understand exactly how we're supposed to participate. We know the role of the band, but what are we supposed to be doing during this time of worship? So today we're kicking off a series entitled Undignified Worship Like a King. And the purpose of this series is to more fully understand and embrace the invitation to become a true worshiper of God. When the Bible talks about worship, it gives a broad definition of worship in that the Bible says that everything that we do, whether we're at work, whether we're mowing our lawn, whether we're at church, everything that we do is an act of worship. It's meant to be an act of worship to God. That's the broad definition of worship. But for the actual purpose of this series over the next four weeks, we are going to actually be focusing on and concentrating on what we call corporate worship. 
When we gather here together as a group of people on a Sunday morning and the band begins to play and we begin to sing songs, that's going to be the focus. We're going to be talking for the next four weeks about the purpose of that and the importance of that and the posture of that and and what we're supposed to be doing during that time. And the name of this series on Dignified comes from a, a character and an event in the Bible that probably more poignantly captures the essence of what it means to be a true worshiper more than any other person or story in the Bible. By way of background, today we're going to be looking at a story about David. If you remember from Sunday school, if you went to to, to Sunday school, David, he fought Goliath, that same David. And after fighting uh, Goliath, uh, David uh, eventually became a mighty warrior, the greatest warrior in, in the history of Israel. And then after becoming a mighty warrior, he became a king. And it was while he was a king that he decided that he wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, if you went to Bible college or seminary, or you watched Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know everything you need to know about the Ark of the Covenant. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not live inside and dwell inside believers like He does now. In the Old Testament, really the presence and the person of God was represented in this golden box. That represented the very essence of what it meant to be in the presence of God. The problem is, is that the ark kind of kept changing hands. With every loss and every win in battle, the, 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 ark lost, uh, the, the, the ark went from one place to another. And so on this occasion, David as the king says, I want to bring the ark and bring it to where it belongs, which is in the city of our God. So the story that we're going to read is about David bringing the ark in. And maybe the best picture to imagine in your mind is just imagine somehow that the Indianapolis Colts win the Super Bowl this year. And at the end of the year, they're having a Super Bowl parade right down Main Street with a trophy in their hand. That's kind of the setting that's happening. Everybody is out on the streets. Everybody's celebrating, hanging from their windows and shouting. And that's the scene. And this is where we pick up the story. In 2 Samuel, it says this, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Well, he and all of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. He said, she said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked in view of the slave girls and his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. What we learn about worship and what David teaches us in this story is that the true heart of a worshiper is what is seen here in David's actions, in David's celebrations, in David's abandonment of himself. So we're going to unpack this story a little bit this morning and see what it has meant for us and how it applies to our life. Entitled this message, The Priority 
of worship. It's important to understand that at this point in David's life, David was expected to be a lot of different things. There was a lot of expectations on him, and with those expectations, I'm sure, came all kinds of priorities. He was a king. One of the great things about being a king is that your opinion is the only one that matters. One of the problems with being a king is nobody does anything without your permission. So you have all of these responsibilities. Nobody dares to do anything. There aren't other branches of the, of the government when you're the king. So really the whole direction and the government of Israel rested on David's shoulder and David's shoulders alone as a king. That would have been a lot of responsibilities and a lot of priorities. But not only was he a king, he was also the general of the army. He led the army. And so he had all of the responsibilities, not only to keep himself in physical shape, because he, he still was expected to go out to war, but he also still had to appeal to very masculine men that were all part of the army, and he had to think about what they were looking for in a general, which is something that might be different than what you're looking for in a king. And not only was he a king, and not only was he a general of the army, but he was also the prophet and the priest of Israel. He was also the one that had to lead Israel spiritually. Can you imagine having to do all of those things simultaneous and, and simultaneously? And so not only was he a king, not only was he a warrior, not only was he a priest, but he was a husband. Footnote, he was a husband of multiple wives, which is a whole different sermon, but that's a lot of expectations. And he was a father. But what David understood in this moment is that even though each one of those roles came with a whole set of priorities. David teaches us that our responsibility to worship is meant to be our number one priority. Our responsibility to worship is our number one priority. Important point to make here, because I think it's easy for us to say, well, hey, I'm a pastor of a church. I'm here on Sunday morning and I've got to make sure everything is, is working and we don't have problems with Facebook and the greeters are greeted. And sometimes I have to remind myself, wait a second, if it didn't matter that David was the king of Israel and he dropped everything to worship, then maybe the fact that I'm a pastor is not a good excuse for me not being fully engaged. And maybe you think, oh, I've got a lot of things on my mind and I've got important decisions to make. But David teaches us your number one priority is to worship God. And we see that in the life of David. I think we all know what it's like to experience the dynamic of what I call the pulling of priorities. If you have two kids, you know exactly what the pulling of priorities are. Because one kid wants to go this way and one kid wants to go that way. If, if you have bills to pay, you, you know, one bill wants your money here and another bill wants your money there and you're trying to figure out what bill do I give my priority to. It may be that, that you have responsibilities at work or you run a company and you're trying to run a successful company, but yet you're trying to keep your customers happy and your, your, your priorities are being pulled in two different locations. A lot of our kids have gone off to, to high school and college and they're, they're, they're being confronted with the pulling of priorities. I, I want to get good grades in school, but I also want to, you know, have fun. <laughs> I also have to work a part-time job and you have all of these priorities pulling us. And one of the problems is, is that the pulling of our priorities doesn't magically stop the minute we walk through those doors. 
problem is, is that we walk through those doors and we get in the seats that we're sitting in and we are still finding ourselves being pulled by all of the priorities in our life. And so how do we deal with the pulling of priorities when the worship band begins to play? And we are called to make God our priority. That's what we're going to talk about today. And David answers that question when he taught us that if worshiping God is to be our priority, then we must be fully focused on God. Fully focused on God. Um, uh, I don't own the gym that I go to, and I don't even work at the gym that I go to, but I've gone there often enough and gone there for long enough that I'm kind of a de facto employee of, of the gym. And so I was there the other day, and I clearly see that a customer has come in. There was nobody at the front desk, so he walks into the gym, and I could tell that he was looking for somebody to talk to. And he was here, and maybe 10, 15 feet away was a young high school kid who was working at the gym talking to his other friends. And so I go up to the customer, and I say, hey, are you looking to talk to somebody to sign up for a membership? And he goes, yes. I said, oh, hold on one second. So then I come over here to the kid that's working, and I said, hey, you have a customer. And this is what he did. He lifts up his finger, and he says to the customer, you will have to hold on one minute. And he turns back to his friends, and I nearly fired him on the spot. Now, remember, I don't work there. But he almost got fired. We all know in life that there are times that your priorities change on a dime. You might be cooking dinner and something catches on fire. You don't finish icing the cake. Oh, well, something's on fire. You drop everything and you deal with that, right? If you're in the medical industry and somebody has a cardiac arrest, you don't go, you'll have to wait one minute. We all deal with the fact that there are times where, where something supersedes what we're doing. We also know this, that in a lot of the places that we work and we operate, what will change our priorities is not that something different happened, but someone different happens. Someone walks in the room, and that person all of a sudden needs our attention, whether that person is a customer, whether that person is the owner or the boss. But someone walks in the room, and we now need to drop everything and say, this person is the number one priority right now. And what David teaches us is that when worship starts and the band begins to play, that our appropriate response is to drop everything that we're doing and to begin worshiping. Our appropriate response is to shift our focus, our attention, our emotional engagement, our conversation, our thoughts, and our anxiety is to shift from that to this is my time to worship God. It's a bit misleading when I told you that this story was about David because, in fact, this story wasn't about David at all. It was about the Lord. We read about six different verses in, in the opening Scripture. and Four times within the verses that we read, we see what the focus was on. It says this, David was dancing before the Lord. King David leaping and dancing before the Lord. Before the Lord, God picked me and not anyone from your father's family. And then finally, David says, I will celebrate before the Lord. Now what's so important about David understanding that the focus was on the Lord 
is that unlike anything that you and I have ever experienced, David had spent a large portion of his life being the primary focus of everyone around him. David was that guy who when he walked into the room, everybody stopped. David was that guy who when he walked onto the battlefield, everyone else stopped talking. David was the one who, when he walked into the room, all the servants started scurrying around taking care of his needs. David knew what it meant to be the center of everyone's attention. He knew what it meant to draw everybody's focus. That's who he was. He understood all of that experience. Yet, even though he was so familiar and he was so accustomed to being the focus of everybody's attention, he knew that in this moment, he was not the focus, but God was the focus. And if you and I are going to fully embrace the invitation to become true worshipers, we need to learn how to focus. I love the scripture from Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 that says, Let us throw off every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with endurance the race set out for us. Let us fix our eyes. Let us focus our eyes on the Lord. So let's be honest here. When we walk in here on a Sunday morning, we walk in with our fair share of encumbrances and entanglements. We walk in with all types of things that weigh us down, that pull us back, that prevent us, that stand as an obstacle in our lives from really entering into worship. We have entanglements that that pull us in the opposite direction of which God is calling us in. And those things may just be the anxieties that you have left over from last week. They may be the anxieties that you have about the week coming up. The encumbrances and the entanglements that you might be dealing with is what in the world is the person next to me going to be thinking about if I dare raise my hands? If you're like me and you can't sing to save your life, you might be concerned that the person beside you might hear you singing and somehow be offended by your voice. And you got to realize, I can't let that stop me. Cumbrances may be the band. We might be so consumed with whether the band is playing how we want them to play or whether the band may not be playing the way that we want them to play. Honestly, let me just be honest with you. Every time somebody complains to me about a band, I'm like, who are you focusing on? We don't, we shouldn't even need the band. They're nice to have, but your focus should be on God. Bands are, are good, bad, and somewhere in between. And even our own worship team, we are so blessed to have an amazing worship team. But some Sundays are better than others. But that shouldn't be the focus if that's what affects our worship and we allow that to be the entanglement or, or, or the encumbrance that holds us back. If, if it's necessary that the worship team play all the right notes, sing all the right words, and by the way, sing the songs that we like in the style that we like, that is an encumbrance that is going to hold you back from worship. Even this, even if we walk in here, and maybe last week wasn't a high watermark for us, Maybe we lost our temper and said things that we didn't say. Maybe we allowed fears to consume us throughout the week. Maybe we allowed our eyes to see things we should have never seen and our heart to go places we never should have gone. The entanglement of shame and guilt can sometimes hold us back from worshiping. The Bible tells us to boldly approach the throne of grace. And sometimes the enemy says, no, no, no. Everybody else gets to sing But after what you did this week, you better not sing. What David is saying is our focus is on God, not even the things in our life. 
And what true worshipers realize is if they're, if they're faithful to focus on God, then God will be faithful to take care of everything else. Whatever it is. There is something miraculous about worship, and we'll get into this more throughout this series. Something miraculous happens in worship that when we give God our attention, and we give God our focus, He gives us everything else that we need. And so there's an element of faith in worship. And the, the leap of faith is there's so many things I've got to be worrying about right now. There's so many things I've got to be focusing on right now. Am I willing to take the leap of faith and l- l- release control of all of those things and give my focus to God and believe that He'll meet all of my needs according to His riches and glory? David modeled that for us. So I want to encourage you, don't just float through worship. Don't just be here, you know, just floating your way through. Be focused in worship. Second thing is if worship, worshiping God is to be our priority, then we must be fully engaged with God. David was not only fully focused in his mind, he was also fully engaged. Every part of David was fully engaged in worship. Listen to all of these active words, all of these verb types of words. David was dancing with all of his might. There were shouts. There were sound of trumpets. There were leaping. There was celebration. And he was half naked. That's that's a verb. He had to do something to get into that state. I thought about all kinds of things to say around that word half naked, but most of them were going to get me in trouble, so I'm just going to move on. But it's a verb. These are all active words. They're all things that, that David did physically. And what they tell us is that David went all in on worship. David wasn't passive. He wasn't reluctant. He didn't hold back. He wasn't like one of those people at a junior high dance that was kind of just standing around the edges of the room. No, he was in the center of the dance floor. He was dancing with all of his might. And I think one of the challenges, there's a couple challenges that we have, and one of them, one of the challenges that we have is a cultural disadvantage. If you were to return to that Hubble analogy and all of the pictures of all of the different cultures worshiping and all of the different ways that the people worship, the, the fact of the matter is that here in America, for the most part, we are on the very low end of our physical engagement with worship. The way we engage with worship physically and how demonstrative we are in worship um, universally is on the low end. Now, as a vineyard church, we're a little bit more um, expressive and physically engaged than, than some other churches are. But, but, but worldwide, if, if we were in other countries, Nigeria or West Africa where I've done mission trips and, and worship started, this whole front section would be filled with people dancing. People would be dancing up and down the aisles. Uh, last that I made to West Africa, Phil Neff came with me. And so you, you've got, a, you got a, a, a white guy from Canada and you got a white farm boy from Ohio, and we're in an African church service where everybody's dancing. And Phil and I did dance. It's not on video. We haven't showed it to anybody. But we danced. But that's normative. That's cultural. And, and worship in the culture of Jesus, in the biblical context, worship was very demonstrative. It was physically engaging. There were things that you did. Your whole body was involved. And so I'm not saying that we have to be something that we're not. I'm not saying that we have to adopt a cultural expression that might not be true to us. But I do think that God is saying, I want you to go in all, all in on worship. I think God is saying, don't make your self-consciousness a priority over your absolute engagement with me. 
Don't be so worried about what you think that you hold back from me what I want. Let me say that again. Don't ever be so concerned about what other people think of you that you hold back what God wants from you. And so what God wants from you is raise your hands. Don't rob God of that because you're afraid of what somebody might think. If God wants you to walk up here and kneel at the altar, don't rob God of that demonstrative expression because you're wondering what other people might think or you're wondering if you're going to stand out. Don't rob God of that. Whatever your comfort level is, however you physically engage with worship before, my prayer is that through this series that each one of us will be nudged, pushed, moved beyond our comfort zone into a place where we go, God, I'm giving you more of myself and I'm engaging in ways that I have never engaged before. But lastly, David wasn't just physically engaged. He was mentally engaged. He was fully attuned. He was fully attentive to what was happening, God gave, David gave God his full attention. And if we're going to be true worshipers, then we not, need not to just worship God with our bodies, but also with our mind and with our attention. And this is a huge challenge for us in the same way that we have this cultural challenge. We also have a challenge giving God our full attention because we live in a culture where nothing or no one ever gets our full attention. In a couple months, we're going to be doing a series on idols, and I don't know if this particular idol will make the cut for that series, but it applies to this series, and I believe that in our culture, we have created the idol of multitasking. And the idol of multitasking demands simultaneous stimuli at all times. We have created this idol that demands that we are always multitasking and that our focus and our attention is always divided through multiple things. I won't ask for a show of hands because I can assume what the answer would be, but how many of us have sat at home with the TV on, looking at our telephone, an iPad beside us, and also carrying on a conversation? That is normative life for us right now. And what that means is that you live your life never giving anything your full attention. And because of that, we bring that same idol of multitasking into worship with us. And what happens a lot of times in our worship is that we are bowing to the God of multitasking instead of bowing to the God of our salvation. And we are allowing our minds to be divided, our eyes to be divided, and our attention to be divided when God is saying, I want it all. I want all your attention. And what happens is when we do that, we end up reducing worship to just another simultaneous stimuli of the moment. And worship is just one of the many things that we're focusing on. During our pre-service video, we always politely say, could you please shut off? Or could you please silence your phone? And I was thinking about that this week, and I thought to myself, I don't think that's actually strong enough language. I think maybe what we should say in the pre-service video is please shut off your phone completely. Please choose to give the next 90 minutes entirely to God. Please give the next 90 minutes of your attention so fully to God that nothing else will get your attention. And I know some of us have our Bible on our phones and also some of us use that as an excuse for looking at other things on our phone. But how much different would our engagement be if we completely shut down our phones if we completely focused on God and we completely engaged with God with our bodies and with our minds. So I want to encourage you 
today as we go into more worship and then throughout this series, I want to encourage you to be more in attuned and more engaged in worship than you've ever been before. Have your eyes open. Be, be aware. What is the Holy Spirit doing in this moment? What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? What is the Holy Spirit revealing to you? What are the words on the screen actually mean? When was the last time in your life that the words on the screen were true of your life? How do the words on the screen apply to the things that are making you anxious? Be attuned with your mind and with your body. Be aware of what's going on. Be aware of what's happening even in your own body. Am am I feeling or sensing a move of the Holy Spirit in my own body? Is God doing something? Be aware of that. These things are happening. So many times we miss them because we are not focused in. Worship is meant to be a responsive expression. And so if we are called to be responsive, then we need to be fully engaged in what we're doing here. I'm going to call the worship team forward. As I said earlier, we're kind of changing our order of service around a little bit. And so throughout this service, we're going to open up with, with a short time of worship to kind of get things going. And, uh, and, and then we're going to go into the Word and, and we're going to have messages about worship like, like today. And then we're going to finish the, the service with a, a, another time of worship. So the worship team is going to lead us in, in two or three songs. I'll come up. Uh, near the end and invite the prayer team up and we'll do some prayer ministry. But we're just going to go into a time of worship now and I want to encourage you just as uh, the worship team is is getting ready just to maybe ask Holy Spirit, what is one thing from today's message that you want me to put into practice right now? One takeaway uh, today over the course of these next three songs you're asking me to do. Something you're asking me to do differently greater portion, something that you're asking me to do on a deeper level than I've ever done it before. So stand with me if you will, we'll bring the house lights down, and just pray for this time. God, David danced with all his might. He held nothing back. He gave you everything that he had, and in doing so, he modeled for us what true worship is. So, God, we just want to move past our cultural comfort zones. We want to move past our self-consciousness. We want to move past our distractions. We want to upend our misplaced priorities. We want to stand in this place. And we want to seek first the kingdom of God, knowing that all else will be provided unto us. So, receive. Uninterrupted, 